Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. It's great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. Thank you so much for all of that. Uh, We have a great show for you today. Actually, a great lineup. Um, Last week, I think it was, uh, Benny, uh, last week, we did a show based on the book of Brett Bevel joining me here today. And the book um, that I talked about and referenced last week, along with sharing my own personal perspective about life around issues of racism, um, but also talking about a level of awareness, a new level of awareness. And the question always becomes for me is how does our experience shape our awareness or how does our awareness shape our experiences? And it's really that catch 22 chicken or egg question. So we're going to talk about a number of different things today, but today you're going to get to meet the author of the book, Healing Racism Within, A Lightworker's Guide. Uh, And so for those of you out there, you should know a little bit about who Brett is. And I introduced him last week, but he is a Reiki master, author of several books. And we also talked about Reiki. So this is going to be interesting. But, you know, when we're looking at this, what are we talking about? Really? We're talking about energy. Um, And when you think about this and what he wrote also, I think it was in the Wizard's Guide to uh, Energy Healing. When you think about his life and what his life purpose is and what the messages are he's brought forward, either personally or through his books, you know, one of the things you realize is that if everything is energy, then why not the conversation about healing racism within? Why not have that conversation? And that's what today is about, is to take a look on what it means to have that journey in, you know, the psycho-spiritual world, right? Meaning the psychologically slash spiritual world. Uh, Also, for those of you, the mind-body-spirit world about everything. And is it sometimes that we are also afraid? Are we afraid to have conversations You know, do we let our fear get in the way of us healing and having conversations to heal? Is that something that we do? And so this is a conversation that opens up the door and you'll hear it from his perspective on what it is we need to learn, need to understand and need to do. And it was interesting, Uh, Mr. Benny. Hi, Mr. Benny. I talked about this yesterday, but I was really blown away um, by a movie I saw. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to have to go back and see it again. 
because what I realized about this movie over the weekend was that it was really quite spiritual. And I, it talked quite a bit about fear. And one of the things that we learn about fear and about Herbert's view on fear is it from so many of the quotes that are coming out of that movie. And, you know, what is it about the conversation about fear that stops us from healing racism? Right? I bet you didn't think I was going to talk about that today. Um, and so part of this is really understanding this. And so when you hear, when you hear things from Frank Herbert that says, I must not fear, when you hear that, or then you hear loudly in the movie, fear is the mind killer, but then you don't hear the rest of the quote from the book. It is, you know, fear is the little depth that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. And so now let's have a conversation about how all of that plays out and prevents us from facing our fear, prevents us from healing racism. Brett, it's so great to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate being, being here. Thank you. Um, I want to start out with a conversation about your calling to bring this message forward. Um, and in, and in, you know, what this means when we talk about the book, Healing Racism Within a Lightworker's Guide, and there's something that must have tapped you on the heart. Now, clearly last week, when I talked about this, I talked about my own personal experiences and, you know, growing up and how I grew up, but what about you? You know, what was it that captured you at a young age to have you come forward and write what some people might call thought-provoking book, controversial mm -hmm. book, but a book and a message that we need to be having a conversation about, just saying. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for asking that question. And I'll just, I'll just be as transparent as I can be uh, with that question. So I, I was born into a very dysfunctional household where, uh, you know, there were, there were murderers and pedophiles. And I was uh, very deeply abused as a child. And as I after college began actually working on myself going to therapy and 12-step groups and then later into shamanic work and energy healing i started to really notice that that many of the patterns that that existed in in my family around issues of abuse such as the silence the taboo of speaking truth um kind of the silent partner people not really wanting to engage the topic that i started to look at that 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 was actually existing on a larger scale in our in our society around race that those those same kind of taboos those same kind of energetic structures seem to exist also when i was a child i also witnessed a race-based murder com committed by uh, a couple of family members of mine so that was also another trauma that i was working through and working to heal in my own experience with this work i found that and again i i give a lot of credit to the therapist i saw but for me it was really when I got into energy healing that my own healing process began to profoundly accelerate. And so over the years, I've really thought, well, why not use those same tools to, to heal what happened in me in terms of, um, you know, what I call racist mindset or racist conditioning, uh, the kind of hate or poison that had been, had been poured into me as a child. If I was able to use energy healing to release that in myself, why can't others in, in society also use that to bring healing to that? 
And so for me, that's really the purpose of the book. And the purpose of the book um, even has, has a deeper level to it in the, in the sense that um, I remember when I was part of a workshop here at Omega Institute, it was probably about five or six years ago. And um, it, was a, it was a shamanic workshop. I wasn't teaching it. It was just a workshop that I was attending. And in that workshop, the, the facilitator led something that he called a destiny retrieval. And I've heard of soul retrievals, but I'd never heard of a destiny retrieval before. And in that, in that workshop, it was a process where each person in the group journeyed to retrieve a destiny uh, that was for somebody else in the, in the room. But we did that before we actually met that person. And what, what was interesting is when I finally met the person who had retrieved my destiny, what they kept talking about was a book that I was supposed to write it was about racism that was going to be very important to that conversation. And it, it, I literally got goosebumps on my skin as she was talking to me. And this was also around the same time as the, the murder of Eric Garner. And I had written an article that I thought was going to be published in a relatively big uh, New Agey magazine. I'm not going to name their name. <laughs> that originally was accepted. And then weeks later, for whatever reason, they then... Uh, revoked their acceptance of that article. And so originally I thought it was just something related to that article, but as I sat more and more with it over time, I realized it needed to be something deeper, something more profound, something that actually offered tools for people to do this kind of work. So that was really the inspiration for the book. And, you know, I talked about this a little bit because isn't it interesting, you and I have sort of a very similar background, not quite exactly the same, mm -hmm. but similar. Um, and, you know, part of this led you on a pathway, you know, to not just become a spokesperson for energy, energy healing, but actually to be a, you know, a phenomenal practitioner in this field because you've seen it work, Right. You know, so, mm -hmm. so the, the, the thing that's really difficult if you're talking to people that have never seen the power of, of energy healing work is to convince them to try something. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned is, and I was one of the greatest skeptics on the planet till I got sick, right? All you need mm -hmm. to do is get sick with a mystery disease. And then you're, you know, the point of desperation will have you try things. But what I love about this <clears throat> is we're now really seeing the power of what you just said and what you do in the world, which is ancient. It's ancient. Mm -hmm. And when mm -hmm. I say ancient, I got an email about something I said on a show last week when I did this, when I talked about your book. And they wanted me to explain what I meant by a statement I meant. Mm -hmm. And so I want you to comment on this as well when we come back from break. The statement I made was, how do we think we healed ourselves thousands of years ago? Like, I'm just going to go way back. Mm -hmm. How do we think as a species, we weren't, we didn't die off from every single thing we bumped into. What is it that literally brought our existence as humanity to where we are today because mm -hmm. we didn't have what we have in the industrial realm but what have we learned from that and what have we not learned when we come back i want to talk with you about that because mm -hmm. if those methods and approaches can bring a species forward humans 
to the point where of our own destruction. But if it could bring us forward, that power of healing, why not heal racism? Why not heal misogyny? Why not heal dot, dot, dot? Mm -hmm. You fill, fill in the, your own blank. Mm -hmm. Why not heal abuse? Why not mm -hmm. heal spiritual, you know, um, uh, uh, psycho-spiritual psycho wounding? Why not? When we come back, we're going to talk about that healing racism within a light worker's guide. And here's the question, everybody. Why not? When you watched the video, I know you watched it. I know you saw the George Floyd videos. I know. Like, how could you not? Like, everywhere. When you saw that, did your heart open? What happened? Did you have a level of something witnessing that you've not had before? But then where did you go to heal that? Where did you go? Stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back with my very special guest, Brett Bevel, Healing Races. And within, we're taking your calls, 1-800-930-2819. We'll be right back. Do you have traits of ADD or ADHD? It can be hard to meet society's expectations of productivity when traditional approaches to time management and organization don't work for your unique brain. You need customized strategies. In the ADHD Self Mastery Podcast with Bonnie Mengku, you get concise, actionable solutions to help you modify your approach and achieve your goals. Learn more about Bonnie at thrivewithadd.com. Day-to-day -day living can be difficult in our world today. Most of us don't know how to live a peaceful, joy-filled existence. Learn how to break through these barriers and live a transformative life on Love and Light with me, Dr. Lisa, every day living in peace, every second and fourth Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. To work with Dr. Lisa, visit EducationThroughEngagement.com. Did you know that each Enneagram type has a different worldview, different patterns of thinking, feeling, and behaving? They also have essential qualities that are unique to their type. Understanding this helps us develop more tolerance, respect, and appreciation for ourselves and others. Renee Siegel works with individuals, couples, families, and groups using the Enneagram to build better relationships as a tool in addiction recovery. Visit URPurePotential.com for more info. Have you been on life's roller coaster trying to figure out what to do next? Then join Greta, Lee, Yvonne in the Realm of Beings each Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Shake the dust off your wings and fly to the highest heights in your thoughts and actions. Express your greatness. Be a champion for yourself. And we'll see you there on Shifting Impressions Conversations with the Realm of Beings. Hi, I'm Laura Goldstein, and here's a Coffee with the Universe tip. If you find yourself busy, busy, day in and day out, yet never feel satisfied or fulfilled at the end of the day. See, we're taught by society that being busy means we are productive and successful. But most of us are busy doing things that aren't getting us any closer to our dreams or that we don't even really care about in the first place. We then never feel a sense of purpose and completion at the end of the day. So the secret to shifting all this is being really honest with yourself about what you are doing and why, and using your mornings to set up your day for intentional action. 
My Morning Magic course can help you with this. Learn more at www.cwtu.net slash morningmagic. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. Healing Racism Within, a Lightworkers Guide, Brett Bevel, joining me here today. And um, before we kind of go ahead uh, and talk about the power of healing within, and not just talk about it from where we are in contemporary times, but also talk about what we've learned from it, from, you know, our ancient history. How do people get a copy of the book, Brett? How do they find out more about you? Because it's not the only book you've written. <laughs> yeah, so, so, I mean, you can order, the easiest way, you can order it off, off Amazon, but also I love to support local bookstores. So uh, your local bookstore, if they don't have it, they could certainly order a copy from their distributor. So you can also explore it that way or Barnes & Noble, or it's, it's pretty available wherever you would like to look for it. So, um, and you can also learn more about me and my website, brettbevel.com. Look, I want to I want to just bring a conversation that goes back thousands and thousands, if not like way longer years than that, about what we learned early on as a civilization. And what we learned early on as a civilization is a completely holistic view of healing, right? The rituals may be different than the world we live in today, but we certainly learned about it. We learned about the power, let's say, of smoke. We learned about the power of essential oils. You know, we learn the power of herbs. We learn the power of hands-on, right? Hands-on healing, right? It's written everywhere. It doesn't matter what religion, what book you pick up. There's something about hands-on or something going on. And now we're forgetting. But it brings me to today. Brings me to today. Um, you know, I've seen people next to me walking i shared this story walking through central park as a young teenager and somebody jumping out of the the if you're in central park you know there's a lot of places for people to hide but jumping out and stabbing a friend of ours to death the black kid and not touching any of the rest of us and there's stories upon stories upon stories like that uh it's hard to imagine having healing conversations, especially with people so wounded. Um, Matthew Shepard, uh, young boy, Matthew Shepard. Hate is the destroyer of civilizations. People say it's money. People say it's grief. And I want to ask you, as we look at healing racism within, what is the journey that we must go on, Brett, to follow the pathway you're laying out for us? So for me, again, I really love that you mentioned hatred, because I think that's, that's the key. It's really looking at that hatred and finding ways to transmute it. Um, and what my book offers there are a number of ways that one can do that. So um, the primary mode that I explore in the book is energy healing, Reiki energy healing, which has been profound in my own healing journey. Um, but there's also other techniques that the book explores. It explores even art therapy techniques. So in, in my own evolution, when healing from sexual abuse, art therapy was a big part of that. So I involved art therapy techniques to really question so that you can really what I call, do what I call a racial self-portrait, where you can really see yourself where are you holding those issues? Maybe 
drawing your eyes closed if you're not willing to look at things or maybe drawing your mouth in a strange way if there's things that you said in the past that were harmful to others around race. So really using images as, a, as kind of a Rorschach dot to take your, your uh, temperature, so to speak, on where things are at for you in terms of the conversation around race. There's also Tonglen meditation and, and other meditative techniques to really use breathing to bring healing, not only to ourselves, but to others who may have been harmed, who are of a different color than ourselves. Um, there's also affirmations and, and another technique that I call lofty questions. So there's a lot that the book offers in terms of ways that one can transmute that energetic signature of hatred. And again, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because my, my theory and my belief and my experience is that energetic signature has been passed down in our culture from generation to generation to generation, even in those families which may openly display as, as being somehow very open-minded or seemingly not having any you know, racist tendencies. Because in, in my own childhood, my parents were divorced and my, my father was, was openly very bigoted and racist. My mother was less so, but it was still there. That hatred was still there. It was just very masked. So I, I find that these, these tools and techniques are, are things that I really encourage people to explore because it can really help not only uncover the, the hatred or the, the, the pain that has been passed on from one generation to the next, but it can also provide solutions mm -hmm. to really transmute that energetically and to really clear it out of our, of our mental body, our emotional body, even our karmic body, even working on our ancestral lineage to really get clean of it. And it has been such an incredible healing journey for me because again, not only was I profoundly abused as a child, but I also witnessed a race-based murder. Um, my father would often send me on fishing trips with a man who also bragged about killing a young black boy many years before. So, so I've known sort of the, the, the devil firsthand in this situation. And to be able to bring a certain level of healing to myself where, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happily married in a, in a multiracial marriage. I have a beautiful, uh, beautiful, amazing wife and beautiful, amazing son. I'm known here at Omega for this loud, boisterous laugh I have. So I'm not somebody who feels like they're in a place of deep depression where theoretically I probably should be. <laughs> from the, the, the childhood I had. And so these, these techniques work. And so I, I, you know, I really wanna offer them to the world. And even though you know, we don't often think of them as existing in these deeper social conversations, they really should be. And they really are profound ways to, to transmute that energy on a larger scale, starting individually and then bringing it out into our families, into our neighborhoods and into our culture at large. And, you know, I love that we're talking about this, too, because, you know, you go on to talk about the multifaceted nature of healing. One of them we do not talk about enough, and that is grief. We just do not talk about grief. Uh, and we, we always want to follow the Kubler-Ross version of this, which really has nothing to do with the living, right? I mean, like her, the, her whole deal had to do with the dying part, right? And we try to overlay that to try to, you know, impose a level of healing of what we can do in our everyday lives. And one of the things I was really struck by is, you know, you talk about the grief of witnessing, you know, I've talked about it um, from time to time, mm -hmm. but it wasn't until I got older that I realized what was really happening. 
you know, I grew up in a neighborhood kind of like the way you're describing yourself. And I shared this on a show. I asked my, my stepmom, why did you move us many years later? Why did you move us to Plainfield, New Jersey? You could have moved us anywhere in New Jersey. Why did you pick Plainfield? You know, one of the mo most diverse cities in New Jersey, really, where, you know, you look at the demographic. And I asked my mom about that. And she shared a little bit with me about it later. But... Even with that, you and I cannot know the depth of pain people of color experience. But as white people, we better take a look at ourselves within because if we don't do that, like we're just flapping at the mouth and talking about something we pretty much know nothing about. I mean, isn't this part of what you're bringing to the forefront for us to take a look at this for ourselves? Because without the healing within, where do we go, Brett? Where do we go? Right, yeah, I, I, I'm really glad you're, you're bringing this up. And again, for me, when I, when I really, when it, I think it really hit me was, uh, it was in, in 1999, I was doing a master's thesis that involved really looking in this question and doing some artwork around my grief and my pain around having witnessed uh, a race-based murder as a toddler. And I was also mixing that with some Reiki in terms of doing a, a ritual performance for my master's thesis uh, that involved you know, poetry and also doing other ritual healing work and then attuning everybody in the audience to Reiki so that they could carry that light forward into the world. And when I began, a few weeks later, reading those same poems at different uh, open mics in, in the San Francisco Bay Area, which one would think of as being very liberal and open-minded, I actually was met with a, with a real wall. I was uh, blacklisted from certain poetry readings. People would start calling me a white trash poet. And, and so I realized like, wow, even though this apparently uh, open-minded group or seemingly open-minded group, like it was just like, we don't want to hear this. And it was a very clear message that, that caused me to take a deeper look just at our culture and like well in what ways have we grieved the pain and suffering of not only just slavery but also the genocide of the Native Americans and the other things that have occurred um, in, the, in this country for the past 500 years so what markers of, of ritual or healing have actually existed around that and, it, and the answer is really very few I mean there's some, been some positive political progression and some possible, possible positive social changes, but very little in terms of actually really looking at that energetic signature of hatred and that energetic signature of that pain and trauma and doing something about it and, and using, again, those same tools that, that we use in other ways in our life. Why not use those to address these issues around race? You know what I love growing up in the 60s and 70s? What's what that? you just described right there? That little, that what you just described, that was what it's like. I mean, can you imagine a time, and we'll talk about this when we come back, because it's to your point in the book, your point in the book, raising your voice in more ways than one. See this right here, this, this nugget in Brett's book, this right here is what I've just been so overwhelmed with and trying to find an answer to. I just right there, it's like right here for me. I just don't understand it. And yet, it's not social media. It's not social media that's going to do it. 
that is not going to do it. That's not going to bring on this change because social media is instant gratification. You get a tweet, boom, there you go. You get something posted on it, boom, there you go. Maybe a Facebook, boom. But how is that creating a groundswell unless you belong to an organization? How is that a groundswell to raise your voice and take action? What did we learn in the past two years? What are the lessons and how quickly did we forget? When we come back, we're going to talk about raising your voice in more ways than one. It's part of Brett's book. It's healing racism within. And the question mark is, how far does ignorance really get us? How far, ladies, let me ask you the women out there for a minute. How much ignorance does it take for us to realize that we are losing our rights every day? Yes, I'm going to mention it again. Everybody's on my team's rolling their eyes. Here she goes. She's going to mention this thing again. Ladies, did you know that there was a bill on the Senate floor to give us equal pay? Did you know that this year? Like, like a thing that was going to like say, we got to get equal pay. Do you know it didn't pass in the Senate? Do you know that the government of the United States of America just said this year to us, you do not deserve to be paid equally. Now, if you're a white woman, you're probably thinking I'm doing okay. But if you're not, and you don't know about this, how do we raise our voices? Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Are limitations holding you back from living a powerful and authentic life? Are you able to see yourself and others through a lens of empathy and compassion? Tune into Awaken Your Truth with me, Ritika Rose, to discover how to free your mind, heal your life, and embody your power. Second and fourth Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio, YouTube, and across all podcast stations. I'm on a mission to inspire a shift in you, so together we can collectively heal the world. To learn more about me, visit RitikaRose.com. Are you ready to find out who you really are? Are you ready to have fun and listen to the soul part of yourself? Indulge in a deeper meaning with Laura Goldstein, host of Coffee with the Universe. This show will awaken that true self hidden deep within you and will get you energized on who you were created to be. So go ahead, grab your cup of joe and experience Coffee with the Universe with Laura Goldstein on TransformationTalkRadio.com. The truth is funny. Shift Happens with Colette Marie Steffen is excited to welcome Karen Benton as a monthly guest host. Tune in on the third Wednesday of each month at 8 a.m. Pacific time to regain confidence and trust in your capacity to create change in your life, your health, your family, and your well-being. Karen Benton is a mother, nurse practitioner, certified body talk practitioner, Franklin Method instructor, and owner of Limitless Living LLC. For more information about Karen, visit karenbenton.com. Have you known that you're on a soul path, but often wondered why you don't have the insight of how to go from here to there, or whether or not what you're doing is going to take you to where you want to go in your soul's journey? Damayante is the show for your soul. Damayante speaks to your soul, connects with your soul, and shines a light for your soul. Damayante, the show for your soul with Sarah Main, brings you insights and a pathway to your soul's journey on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Have you ever felt like if you just had the right tools and resources, 
you'd be able to carve a path toward the life your heart is aching for, guess what? You have everything you need inside you. I'm Natasha Ornedo, and I'm here to show you that your healing is in your hands. Tune into my show, Unlock the Healing Path, every second and fourth Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. To learn more about me and my work, visit NatashaOrnedo.com. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Brett Bevel joining me here today. The book is called Healing Racism Within. And um, there's so much in this book and there's so much about the work you do. Brett, before we roll on here, can you tell folks, one, how they get a copy um, of the book, but also how they find out more about you? Because, you know, for this next part, we're not just going to talk about, you know, raising your voice, but we're going to talk about how racism gets embedded in our cells. You know, what did Carolyn Mays call it? A tissue issue. But before we do that, how do we find out more about you and the many things that you do? Sure. So you can find out at my website, which is brettbevel.com. It has, you know, uh, stuff about my books and also trainings that I lead. And then you can also get the book, again, pretty much anywhere that you would normally do your book shopping, whether that's Amazon or Barnes & Noble, or if you want to support your local bookstore, they should be able to order it from their distributor if they don't already have it on the shelves. So it's readily available and uh, please get a copy and and begin doing this work because I think our society as a whole really needs it. Look, thank you for bringing the conversation to the forefront. And I love that, you know, you and I can do certain things and really get a lot of backlash from it, right? You know, I mean, I had a, I had a mentor told me that if you're not getting feedback and backlash, you're not doing enough, Pat. Um, but I want to talk with you about raising your voice. May, may I do this? Because sure. I just need to read this. I read this um, previously, but I want to read it again. White silence on the issue of racism is a big reason why it has been so hard to create long and lasting change. That is a mouthful. And it is so true. Um, I talked before the break about, you know, what we've gone through. We talked about healing. We've talked about um, change that's sustainable. But the silence is deafening. And it is white silence. Yeah. It's something that that I've noticed in my, you know, in my own life that even when there's times of a conflict, you know, whether it's at work or in your community, um, in just even noticing this question of, as a white person, I have the choice to speak out, right? Even in that choice, there's a certain privilege that I'm afforded that a person who's a person of color it's not a choice for them. They're going to experience that reality regardless, right? But for me, just because of that, oh, I have this choice to speak out or not. So for, for me, it's like we have to use that that choice and speak out when whenever possible, you know, whether it's about something that we experience in, the, in our family that, that, that has a, a racist connotation to it, something at work, something in our community, and also on the larger social scale. It means, you know, getting out and uh, being vocal with your congressperson or your senator or your mayor um, or your governor. It means getting out and, and going to marches. It means getting out and, and voting and being a, a fully engaged citizen. Um, so it's not just about doing the healing work within. That's important and that's essential. But it's also taking that energy out in an active way so that we are really 
actively participating in, in the changes that, that need to happen in our society. Mm -hmm. So what was interesting is that not to undermine or understate the effects of COVID-19, but um, one of the things that I, I was really, you know, wondering about is, you know, how we could forget what happened here, how we could forget, so easily forget. Um, and, you know, George Floyd was the tip. George Floyd was a way for us to, to, to get the microphone in our hand and say something that people would pay attention to. That, that, that was, you know, the sacrifice of his death and the courage of a young woman mm -hmm. that brought that to light. Mm -hmm. um, but here we are today. The silence is deafening. I don't even, I don't even know how to say it differently. I, I don't know what else to say about it. You know, people say, well, Pat, you keep talking about this. What are you doing? What are you doing? I know what we're doing as a network. Just look at some of the shows we're bringing to the forefront. Yeah, just, just look at some of the shows. You know, listen to, you know, a couple of the shows that are going to be coming up that haven't played yet. You know, um, watch what we're doing as a network, because you're right. I, talking about it's not enough. You know, what are we doing to, you know, have a show that's called Shifting Impressions? and answering the Cairo question. What about that show? But I don't know what to do about the silence, Brett, <laughs> to be honest with you. I don't care how much education you have. We got to figure this out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, just encouraging each other and our, most importantly, ourselves to, to speak up and speak out. And again, whether it's you know, writing letters or going to a, a march or um, and just in a show such as this, speaking about things that are, are often just put in this taboo corner of our consciousness that we don't want to look at. And that, for me, I think that's been the biggest lesson in my own healing journey was how, how similar it is between family systems where there's any kind of incest or abuse going on and how that almost exactly transpires with our larger social system with regards to race, that there's this huge taboo against speaking the truth <laughs> of what's going on it's just like you're just not supposed to do it and i think we have inherited that silence i think that in, that that silence exists in our subconscious i think that silent silence exists in the in the cells of our body it's so it's it's really um what as an energy healing it's healer it's what i would consider to be part of the, the morphogenetic field of the last 500 years right like we just have been entrained generation after generation after generation not to not to want to look at this because it's a horrible thing to look at it's a painful thing to look at and as human beings we often don't want to look at things that are painful or horrible especially if they have anything to do with our family or our extended family or our neighborhood or our culture uh it's painful but now's the time for us to really face that pain because if we don't then we're just going to be living in these Kind of walled off places and not really doing the deeper work that we need to do to 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 change this once and for all because my belief is that if we don't change that then yeah we might pass some progressive laws here and there but that that mm. underlying angst of pain and suffering and anger and hatred that hasn't been addressed is never going to go away until we really look at it 
and start to deal with it. You know, somebody asked me a question, a political question. I, I, uh, no, I'm not going to run for any office. I just like that, that, that ship is fate, that, that ship has sailed. So that's not going to be me. But they asked me a couple of questions and, and I didn't have, I, I had an answer for it. And they said, you know, Pat, you're talking about, but what can we do? You know, what can we do? What can the government to, of today do? You know, with the Senate divided, the Congress divided. And I, I just said, uh, 3,721. I say, what? I said, 3,721. They said, well, what's that number? I said, oh, that is the number of executive orders that Roosevelt signed, 3,721. 3,721 executive orders Roosevelt signed. And they said, uh, Franklin, by the way, uh, Franklin, mm, yeah. Franklin D. Roosevelt. And Teddy was close. He was like a thousand or something. But I said, so there are things that, that people can do. But if you don't raise your voice and you don't say hello, or, you know, number 46 in the White House or, you know, hello, like you can do something. But the question then becomes, how do we heal ourselves within so we know what to do? Let's go to the phones. We have a caller calling in. Benny, why don't we, uh, why don't we connect to our caller if we could? Charlene, welcome to the show. Hey, Charlene, what can we do for you? Um, I was just, it's a, just a really interesting show. And um, I just, I was thinking to myself, you were talking about uh, diversity and white people not like just staying quiet and I won't stay quiet and I am white and uh, <laughs> I've, I've been in the workplace where I work with thousands of people a day mm -hmm. and I have co-workers I work with and we're all mixed right yeah so you know I've observed where a Filipino man um, accuses an African woman of being racist um, I've seen racism come from other cultures and be projected upon white people. So it's it's everywhere. It's it's um, and and I know just from growing up, um, my mom was not prejudiced. She said we're all one race, the human mm -hmm. race. That's the way she raised me, and she was very spiritual. But my father had a hint, a hint of being racist so i had that contrast to mm. see which way i was going to go and i have always because my family is mixed so and and basically the whole world is mixed right now all <laughs> our cultures are mixed what mm -hmm. are we fighting for there it's an illusion because we're the diversity in life is the spice of life our cultures are beautiful we have some beautiful cultures beautiful races why don't we embrace each other and learn from each other instead of division i um i am on board with um looking deeper within ourselves because i've done it for years and i've observed and sometime I, sometimes I have absorbed and, and had to go deep within again and take a look at myself. So this is a really interesting book that has been written, and uh, I'm just glad that you guys brought this to light. Yeah, thank you, Charlene. Thank you for sharing that. And, uh, and, and you know, it is a conversation that um, we're not having. We're not having it often enough. 
Uh, and who's the we we're not having? I'm really talking about white people, right? I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about people of color or people from diverse cultures, right? I live in the Pacific Northwest and I was appalled by what was happening to the Asian community here, just appalled at the amount of beatings and violence against the Asian community here in the Pacific Northwest. And I asked myself, where are the police? Like, okay, hello. Like, how do you have, um, I play a sport, right? And so I have a lot of Asian friends because I play table tennis. So I know a little bit more about this. But the bottom line with this, Brett, is that how do you have an entire culture that is beaten and you are just like, where's that in the headlines? Like what? Like, so to your point, raising your voice in more ways than one, um, what are we to do now? That's my question for you. We've got to free our bodies of this tissue issue of whatever that is that's in there. We got to free ourselves of that. But the silence, the lack of action, the, what is the word, you know, that I'm looking for when people just kind of like ho-hum, I'm taking care of my life. What is that word? What is that word where you just. Being complicit in some way. Complicit. Yeah. And we're running out of time to do something. That's my sense of it. We're running out of time to do something. What is your sense of it from where you sit? You wrote the book. So let's hear from you. Well, so my sense is that, that as you do the work that's in the book, you become more aware of ways in which, again, we've been entrained as, as a white person to be complicit and not even see it as being complicit, right? I think that we don't even question certain behaviors in ourselves, right? I could say there's certain behaviors in myself that uh, I previously didn't really question because I just didn't have any awareness because I wasn't willing to look at the mess that was inside of me regarding issues of race. And so in doing this work, becoming more self-aware of it, now I feel more confident speaking out. Now I feel more confident, uh, you know, really having this conversation that we're having right now and even writing this book. I was terrified to write this book because I felt like I'm going to get some, some crap from it, from people, and I already have. And, um, you know, but I just need to, to put it out there regardless. Um, so I think it's really just raising that level of awareness internally. And then once you become aware of, how complicit you've been, then you got to start to take action to end that by speaking out. And, you know, I want to get to the point that I made in a previous show, and it has to do with fear. Let's, can we talk fear for a minute? Mm -hmm. um, I'm really struck by how fear and the idea of fear is coming up in our pop culture and coming up across the board in blockbuster movies. It's all over, it, it, it's all over the place. And yet, we're not taking the lessons or it, and bringing it introspectively. Uh, although I will say that I was really, um, I was really in awe by Dune, the movie Dune, and I got to mm. watch it again. Uh, my friends say you got to go to the movies to watch it, but you know what? The message is powerful, you know, because the litany in that movie was, "I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration." I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it is gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. See that? The inner eye to see its path. 
Where the fear is gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Fear is underneath what we're seeing now in this country. We are afraid that they will get what I have, that they will somehow impact me. And we're feeding this fear, aren't we? Yeah, we are. And I, I feel that, um, you know, one of the things that I like about the book is, is there's a, a technique where you can work with what I call the Reiki crystal, which yes. is an energetic crystal that allows you to easily do certain Reiki techniques that traditionally would sometimes not even be possible with traditional Reiki. Um, and one of the things you can do with that Reiki crystal is it can bring you into different Reiki, what I call Reiki meditations, where that divine consciousness that's in, in the energy can literally bring your consciousness into certain states of awareness. So in the book, I talk about using that in one way, just to see your blind spots and the areas that you do need to work, but also using it to find a place of courage within yourself. And for me, that, that's essential to combating this sense of complicity and silence is to really activate that sense of courage that exists in all of us if we're willing to look for it and find it and take action from it. But the book offers that. And so I really encourage those of you who do get the book, really, really do that, that work with the Reiki crystal to find that sense of courage to speak out. Because again, even just looking in my own, my own personal history, it was when I started speaking out about the things that I had experienced as a child, even in terms of just the sexual abuse, not even getting into the racial aspect of it. That's when the real healing began, was when I was yeah. finally able to give voice to what the truth was. Mm -hmm. you know, the truth will set you free if you can really speak it. And you also and talk about the Maharashi effect too. You know, you also yeah. talk about something, and I was joking when I said this about growing up in the era that I grew up in, because we were infused with this. You know, the idea of, you know, sending mantra and prayer to the entire world, to the global world. You know, we now know that there is science to support this. So you and I mm -hmm. are just not talking chit chat now. Yeah. Like back yeah. then, there was no science, right? Yeah. Now we know yeah. the science of vibrational energy and healing. But the idea of Reiki and Reiki crystal, and, and we are, know the power of crystals. I mean, we do know it. How yeah. do we begin to heal ourselves? The book is a guide for that. The book is a guide for that. I want to ask you in the few minutes we have left, what's your vision? Where does, where does Brett go now? And yes, you will get backlash from writing a book like this. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so my, it's interesting. There's, there's three things I want to mention that were very clear to me growing up. Um, different visions I had, if you, if you want to say that. One was, I remember writing a, a paper in high school that talked about how uh, eventually film and music would be much more accessible for people to create, right? And this was like in the 70s when I wrote this paper in high school. And I think I was just seeing things like, you know, the technology would evolve where anyone could make their own little movie or record their thing. Um, and now we can do that with the, with the technology we have. I also then in, in my first years of college, I remember writing a paper. It was a, it was a pol political science class that was about the Soviet Union. I remember writing this paper uh, that I turned in to my professor about how the Soviet un Union would eventually dissolve sort of peacefully when it, in, in its own way. 
uh, I got a B minus on the paper, but I remember, you know, about, you know, seven or eight years later after I wrote that paper, that occurred. And one other thing that was always constantly with me kind of through this thread was that one day, I don't know if it'll be 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, but that one day we will do this inner work that's required and we will be able to embrace this sense of the Maharishi effect in terms of us radiating our light out to the greater whole of society in a way that does bring transformational change. So I do believe that it will happen, probably not overnight, but I do believe it will happen. And, and I really feel like I'm, I'm dedicating my work towards trying to help see that happen, trying to help raise that awareness in others. And part of that too is because I am married to a woman of color and my son is, you know, uh, he's half white, but the other half of him is not white. And so I even, you know, see him encountering these issues, even though he's only six years old. So I want to change the world and make it a better place for him. Yeah. And look at, as individuals, sometimes we don't think, we don't think that we have the power to create change. You know, we talk about something the way you and I are talking about it today. And we sometimes see the challenge overwhelming and daunting. But the thing that you bring to the forefront in your book and your message is that with the smallest of light, a matchbook stick, it can shift the darkness beyond our imagination. And I think you're giving us the tools to do that. Brett, thank you so much. How do people get a copy of your book? How do they find out more about you? And thank you for what you're doing. Well, thank you so much for having me on, my, on your show. And um, people can find out more about me at my website, brettbevel.com. That's B-R-E-T-T-B-E-V-E-L-L.com. And they can get my book um, on amazon.com, Barnes and Noble. Uh, also, I always like to support local bookstores. So if you, if you want to go to your local bookstore, if they don't have it on the shelf, you can let them know about it. And and have them order you a copy. So um, please do. And I look forward to hearing hearing your thoughts about the book too. Anybody who's in the audience, if you have a question or message for me, I'm pretty responsive on Facebook. Also through my uh, website, there's a contact the author page if you want to send me a question or just send me your thoughts. I try to be pretty proactive in getting back in touch with people. <laughs>